Before we begin, we have a favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please help us spread the word about the show. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Another way is to tell a fellow art teacher. Either way, it helps others find the show. The Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast has a lot of information regarding teaching art, not just for tab teachers, but for anyone who is looking to further their understanding of children in a choice-based classroom. This show is about finding new ways to engage children and help them find their voice through visual arts. Back in 19, it was 1983, I was the head cook at Kilroy's of Bloomington. Uh, we had, like, you know, different people would come in, and Eddie Money was uh, doing a concert at IU Auditorium, and after the concert, he came in to Kilroy's. Did he give you any tickets to Paradise? No, no. No, no, t- no two tickets to Paradise. And um, I made him a Reuben sandwich, that's what he ordered. And, um... The waitress said that he gave her a good tip, so I guess the sandwich was okay. Well, everybody, this is the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Fralick. And I'm Clyde Gaw. And uh, thank you for spending your day or your hour or whatever it is that you're doing to listen to us blabber and talk about <laughs> our favorite topic teaching for artistic behavior and teaching art we appreciate everyone who listens i need to apologize to our listeners because the last podcast we did about a month ago and um, what happened to it well good question (laughs) having those having computer issues and at the time i had edited it and i went back to open it up to finish editing it and it was gone it was just gone. Poof. It was like... <laughs> just gone. It was. I probably was really tired and was deleted it, it or something. But who knows. You think it was a corrupted file? I have no idea what it was. It was a ghost. Maybe it was, <laughs> the, maybe it was the podcast gods came down and said, <laughs> this is not good enough. Was there something controversial on that? that... No, there wasn't anything controversial. So we'll talk about what we talked about then today. But we have a lot of other things to talk about, too, because um, we've been busy Yeah. in the last few months. Yeah, busy uh, busy time of year for our teachers um, near the end of uh, Thanksgiving break, October. Um, we just had uh, an art exhibit at New Palestine High School. Nicely done. Congrats. And, yeah, that was it was um, it was an undertaking, and then of course, my body's not doing too good. I uh, incurred a case of sciatica, as you know, for my whining and lamenting. Uh, Just getting old. <laughs> I know. And you know the thing the thing about it is is a teacher who gets you know if you get a physical ailment or you get ill, you know, teachers don't like to take time off. They want to be in the room. 
Uh, they want to be in the classroom. They want to be, especially our teachers who are doing uh, a tab or choice-based art education, um, you want to be there to maintain the program and make sure things are running smoothly. So to put on an art show, you <laughs> you do what you can. You get some treatment, but, uh, you know, the past couple weeks I've been teaching, you know, with severe back pain. And if you take time off, nothing, you know, things can go sideways. We don't want that. So we just go, the kids are like, Mr. God, what's wrong with you? You're squat. Why are you squatting on the, on the ground? Why are you stretching your legs? That has a completely different meaning. <laughs> Johnny, Mr. why are you squatting? <laughs> Mr. Gall, why are you why are you in the pigeon pose on the floor of the art room? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Painkillers not working. No, they do. sciatica is a pain in the literally a pain, pain in, in the, the butt. yes. Yeah, that's that's the life of a teacher, you know. Teachers, you know, art teachers, especially bending down, moving around. You got to be in good shape. Washing brushes. Washing brushes, moving boxes, clay. materials, mm. clay. Yeah. yeah. Today, I thought we we would um, talk about a phenomenon that happens very regularly in the tab classroom, and that is organic collaboration. Self-organizing groups. Kids working together. We see it a lot in the tab classroom or in the studio. We encourage it. And the studios are supposed to be designed to emphasize or to um, to promote, promote, yeah, promote. To promote movement and instantaneous collaboration. Yeah, creative impulse can uh, involve not just an individual, but... You know, if, if you have two people, you have a group. A group, yeah. Uh, and so um, so there's a lot of dynamic interplay that goes on when you have uh, self-organizing groups, collaborative, uh, creative activity, and um, it happens a lot in a tab classroom. Right. So when we say that, we will see kids asking if they can work with another friend or if they can do it themselves and, you know, in a tab classroom, we fully encourage kids to be creative in any way they can. And sometimes that involves other people or other actors. One of the wonderful things about self-organizing groups is it offers uh, individuals um, who might have disability to be involved in uh, a real dynamic learning event. Uh, and so the, uh, the tab classroom offers uh, a, a major element of inclusive uh, learning experience. And so everybody can, uh, or anybody, can uh, have a opportunity for a dynamic collaborative experience. When we see these kinds of activities begin to unfold, my first, my intuition for when I see it happening is, as you said, promoting it and encouraging it and even ca helping to catalyze it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so the, the act of creativity itself, there's the, the negotiation of, you know, who's going to do what. There's, um, uh, language development uh, going on, so, uh, socializing, and then there's the experience it, itself. Right. 
And yeah. I've seen it manifest itself in many different ways in my classroom. I, I'm a K-4 teacher. Kindergartners, they'll be all working at the same table and drawing the same thing. So there was a someone who had an idea and everyone else was sort of copying that idea. So they're all working together and yet collaboratively because they're all working on this same idea. And when talking with them, I'll ask them, you know, who came up with the idea. There really isn't one person who said, I, this is my idea and we're all doing it. It just organically happened uh-huh. that one person was drawing something, the other person liked it. That's the good stuff when kids are working like that and they're not complaining that so-and-so is copying off their work. Because as Ian Sands says, art is steel. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, yeah. you know, so that's one type of working together that we see a lot of. But it's not a planned activity. Like as kids get older, they'll start working in predefined groups. Uh, I have some second graders who are making Chopsy books right now. So Chopsy is a Chopsy. Chopsy is a character that this second grader developed, and he's making books, and he's got his friends making Chopsy books too. Or coloring in the Chopsy books, or <laughs> stapling the Chopsy books, or making Chopsy books as well. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a group of four or five kids that have been working on this all year. Mm. So, so they have a, a narrative going on uh, involving the character of Chopsy, and the narrative is a it's, it's a story. It is story. And uh, um, there's all kinds of creative action going on uh, telling the story and illustrating the story. A transdisciplinary bonanza of creative learning through the uh, development of Chopsy. Well, I got to look at those Chopsy books. When you get a chance, I want to look at them. Oh, try to get those from his hands. <laughs> Sometimes they don't want to read them. They don't want to share them. They're so, they're so, the, the objects are so meaningful. They're very possessive. He he doesn't want to leave them here. So hopefully he'll get some for the art show. Um, But that's one of the instances of this year that I really noticed kids working together. And other times uh, in past, we've had big projects that kids have worked together on bringing together a a grand idea. You know, I come to think of mine, the, um, Eiffel Tower that we did, uh-huh. which was kind of instigated by me, but then carried on by other kids. Uh-huh. The giant war battle, yeah, which was individual instances and then combined together to create a larger piece, which was really cool. And then you have some, you know, in the high school, kids work together to build some incredible sculpture. We, we just had a... Um uh, our art exhibit, our fall art exhibit, just took place, and I should post pictures on on the blog. You know, a lot of the lot of the uh, works in there are collaborations, and you know, one piece that is memorable to me is a marble run. It's about a five foot tall marble run made out of cardboard. Um, it was all a collaboration between uh, four four boys. Um, you know, they're experimenting with gravity and engineering and flow dynamics, um, friction of the marble on the surface of the, the, run, the marble runway, and, you know, structural engineering. 
but you know they're they're all it was like a, a three month long process for them and they included a child who was disabled in the in the activity so uh so the four of them were working as a team so there's the exchange of empathy going on in this event this le- this learning event and all kinds of learning going on and the meaning making that takes place is you know this is a memory and that's you know the best kind of learning is memorable acts of learning when you make memories that's the best kind of learning i mean that learning stays with you forever absolutely and i you know i've been thinking about eminent cognitive psychologists and one one that stands out to me is uh the american david osabel who among his um research interests of course was cognitive science how the mind makes sense of learning he said um you know and, and how the mind organizes learning is, is uh, what osabel is noted for uh, meaningful learning especially uh, but one one of his most important statements i think he said was the number one thing that an educator should know or should understand is you know where their learner is in their at their knowledge base you know what does the learner know what and so that gets back to what are the learner interests and uh you know what is the learner interested in doing so osabel's work i think relates directly to uh to what we're doing in tab classrooms and that's getting to know your kids individually so that when we when we see kids who are interested in working solo or working collaboratively we are as a tab teacher you know your kids and you're ready to help catalyze the moment with uh advice uh material um, any kind of support, uh, information, technique, demonstration, right. thing that goes with cr- uh, emergent curriculum. And that's one of the things that uh, our teachers struggle with is getting to know their kids. Yeah. Because we see them all. And, um, and it wasn't until I started TAB that I really began to see individuals express themselves in their own unique way. When hanging up art shows... Uh, before it was organizing by theme, mm-hmm. you know, here's landscapes, here's portraits. You'd have many of the same objects. I remember vividly hanging art shows and kids coming up and saying, I haven't seen my artwork. Can you tell me where it is? Mm-hmm. And I could tell them exactly where it was. I said, well, which one did you turn in? Yeah. And they'd say, well, you know, it's the, the dinosaur. It was eating. That's like, oh, that's over in that hallway. Look on the, you know, I could tell them exactly where that artwork was because, you know, connecting to the artwork and when kids connect to it, when, they, when it means so much more to them. Yes. They have uh, more descriptive information that they can talk to you about and then that's going to trigger exactly what we want kids to do as far as you know they're putting more meaning into their artwork yeah now i was talking with a a teacher who came in my classroom yesterday she's a stem teacher and she wants to incorporate more tab which was cool she wanted to see how my classroom was organized and had a lot of questions and um, i was telling her about when kids (laughs) When you when you give a kid an assignment, uh-huh. um, 
you know, have to, or whatever it is you want to call it, you have to do this. Uh He's not going to be as engaged or as bought into that as if he were to develop as himself. 95% of the time, if you take a teacher-led artwork, could be beautiful, Uh executed, colored beautifully. You show it to parents and they're like, oh, that's so wonderful. And then you say, choose something for the art show. 95% of the time, uh, that's completely unscientific, but they're going to choose something that they develop themselves. Right. And it's not going to look anything like the uh, canned project. Yeah, the the teacher-engineered project. Right. That looks really cute to the outsider. But those of us who are who understand child development and uh, these stages of, of creative development. Uh, back to Nan Hathaway's scribble stage. Well, yeah. it's actually talked about the scribble stage in sculpture for students. It looks mm-hmm. like Lowenfeld's scribble stage in drawing. You know, it's, it's um, you know, development. It's practice. It's yeah, it's development. Pra- You're learning a skill. Right. And when I talk to my kids, this is all practice. Yep. You're nine years old. Do you make things that mean to you? Yes. Are you, you know, is it going to be perfect? No. Back to the, the essence of art making is problem posing. So the, the child is, I'm thinking about Rollo May, another eminent American psychologist. You know, he, he talked about boredom. You know, have children dealing with their boredom. Out of boredom comes the impulse right. to, be, to be creative. Right. It, uh, it kind of resets. And again, this year, I, for some reason, I dragged my feet opening up cardboard, and I wanted to see what would happen if the kids got bored, uh, and they did. They they were like, when are you going to open up cardboard? I said, yeah, whenever. Eventually. Well, they were on you. They were on where's, me. They where's, were like, where's cardboard, Mr. Freilich? And then the impulse, it overtook them. They couldn't wait any longer, and so they started being more creative, creating things out of paper. Ah, <laughs> um, you know, when you're bored and you have nothing to do, you find something to do. And yeah. that was, when we were growing up, that was easier for us to do. Well, you were a free range kid. I was a free range kid. <laughs> I hopped on my bike and I would just go. <laughs> Climb a tree. <laughs> Climb on somebody's roof. Your mom, you kids get out of here. <laughs> go, no. go play. <laughs> get out of here. My mom worked. Third shift, so she slept during the day. Ah, well, you're working class. I was the baby. I could do pretty much anything I wanted to. I heard you belong to a bike gang. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like something out of it. Like the biker gang from E.T.? Yep. (laughs) Pretty much. Except this is like in the the early 70s. We'd go build ramps, <laughs> jump things. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was the so bike gangs. You know, collaboration. That, that was yeah, collaborate. Yeah, you get to you uh, learn to create the solution to your problem of boredom is well, to no, do stuff. You know, it's it's finding people with similar interests and sharing experiences. You know, that's the essence of creativity is um, finding your pathway, finding your interests, like you said, finding a desire, you know, from desire comes yeah. a, a pathway. 20 years ago, where the teacher was the sage on the stage, held all the knowledge. Yeah. 
kids were siloed into working siloed into working individually <laughs> develop their own set of knowledge now it's completely different we look yeah. at each other we look to each other we encourage collaboration you yeah. know working together we encourage shared experience and shared knowledge mm-hmm. again as like constructing it themselves construct constructing knowledge right mm-hmm. children should be able to do their own experimenting and their own research this is Jean Piaget. Piaget, yes. Yeah, Teachers, yeah. of course, can guide them by providing appropriate materials. But the essential thing is that in order for children to understand something, they must construct it themselves and they must reinvent it. Every time we teach a child something, we keep him from inventing it himself. You know, so so P- Piaget... Um Piaget's work in America really starting, you know, he he was writing uh, about children's language development in the 30s, children's cognitive development through constructivism in the 30s. But in America, in the 30s, that was the heyday of behaviorism, uh, where, you know, children are, are, uh, uh, schools are uh, behavior modification environments. So Piaget's work really begins to take hold in the 1960s in, in American schools and constructivism now, um, well-known uh, educational psychology, a epistemological view of learning through constructivist ways of, you know, learning theory. So Piaget's work is super important. And I think it's, um, even though you can use, I mean, you can use behaviorism to teach human beings. You can use behaviorism on animals, you know, when, like your, your little puppy, your, your little, your little, uh, uh, friendly f- family pet joy, you know, she gets, rewards when she does good does she go out and does she get a reward when she goes potty outside my dog <laughs> yeah no <laughs> she, she's just she, lucky to go outside she, she <laughs> but i mean you know you can use behaviorism to to uh to shape behavior to to uh to form behavior in organisms, including human beings. You can use rewards and punishments. But what's better, I believe, is, and this gets back to Piaget, Piaget's work is is incredibly important. And, uh, you know, tab classrooms are constructivist learning environments, situated learning environments. You know, there's part of that is collaboration exactly and you know another educational psychologist very important a russian gentleman lev vygotsky who's not alive anymore he's his main emphasis was on you know learning is a social construct it's a social construct in that you know we're if we are and here you and i are having a social uh, social learning event where we're exchanging language and ideas and uh anytime you have a conversation it's it's a it's a social construct in which language is is utilized and and um you know we're 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 using language to pinpoint ideas and uh, and thought and a way of knowing and a way of doing and that's what you know that's back to uh the importance in the tab classroom of having kids 
making it available for them to have a conversation while they're working. You know, there's real meaning making when they can have dialogue. Right. It's the whole experience. You and I experienced organic collaboration when we were building Fred Jr. Oh, yeah. That was a great experience. It was a pain in the butt, but it was a, it was, it was, uh, you know, we, we, it was a labor of love and, um, but that's the thing when you love what you're doing, you don't, you know, when you're having a good time, we, we overlooked the, 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 the pain of 300 degree hot glue gun burns. <laughs> sorry. I burned you that one time. That's all right. <laughs> good thing the kids weren't around. I know. Cause we were using the hot, hot glue guns for that uh, different situations but yeah back to um, collaborative work you know when in tab classrooms kids who self-organize a an activity the teacher can provide a space provide time and material it is uh you know it is a of benefit to the children and it's a benefit to the the school the the tab classroom becomes that place in the school where learning is such a dynamic event. It's, you know, the, the tab classroom is the hottest place in the school for many kids. And so, um, like we said before, you know, children vote with their feet. And, you know, a lot of tab teachers will tell you, you know, they've got a lot of kids who like just to come hang out. And uh, there's a reason for that. It's fun, you know reason it's fun is because of all the reasons we've talked about over the last year year and a half kids getting to do work with their own ideas work with their hands collaborate with each other Mm -hmm. talk yep dialogue um the dialogue there there's so many important outcomes with from having diet you know dialogue with uh, other students other children with the teacher the teacher becomes a colleague too and they're learning so and and we haven't even touched on the therapeutic aspects of it which we're not therapists but there is a huge benefit to authentic conversation authentic dialogue yeah we'll hit that in another podcast therapeutic the therapeutics of tab we we have a big you know already our summer's planned um, we're going to be heading back to Boston in the summer. Yep. Um, pl- plans are on being made right now for 2020 Tab Institute. Yep, I'm working on my Clark, class now. Professor Clark Freilich going to be there. Teaching about designing the classroom. I think the same crew that we had last time is going to be there. And um, look forward to another fabulous Tab Institute coming up. Yep. At MassArt, Diane will have some information about that. She'll be posting soon, I'm sure. Sometime in July. Are you thinking about going to NAEA in Minneapolis in March? What do you think? I, I, I just popped this question on you. I haven't talked to the wife about it yet. <laughs> Probably. Be, I, I might be able to go. Is that during our spring break? Yeah, it's during our spring break. Well, that's good. There's going to be a lot of... Tab and choice-based art teachers up there. I'm pretty certain. It'll be a good time. If, we've always had a good time when we've been there. Yeah. We haven't been there. In, I've not been there in a while, so. No, I haven't been. Well, last time I was in Minnesota was 2000, 2008, something like that. Uh-huh. And then I think the last conference I was at was Chicago. 
when we went. I'm not rolling in the cash like you are. <laughs> yeah, rolling in the cash. Teaching art, <laughs> you make enough to you make enough to stay afloat. All right, thank you all for listening to the Blocks Paper Scissors podcast. Hope we could give you some new ideas about the tab classroom and allowing kids to work together. It's always a good time having a conversation. Speaking of new ideas, if you want to help other people find this show, please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Seems like a simple thing to do, but it helps new listeners find the show. Absolutely. Wish everyone a happy holiday. Hope everyone gets the rest they need. Yeah, hope it, yeah. Hope everybody has a wonderful holiday yes. and uh, can spend time with their family and friends and uh, loved ones, rejuvenate and uh, refresh. Thank you. See you next time. Adios. <laughs> Amigos. I was on Quaaludes. I don't even remember Oslo. But I remember Boston. And that victory was as sweet as the cream pie for which the town was named.